This morning, we pick back up in our series entitled Our Journey with Jesus as we look together at some spiritual disciplines that will help to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. These are not the kind of disciplines that we normally think of when we think of spiritual disciplines, however. Uh, they're things that we can practice and we should practice in our day-to-day -day lives that will move us in the direction of being more like Jesus. The first week, we looked at the discipline of letting go and we talked about the need to let go of anything <clears throat> that would uh, hamper our lives and, and hinder us in our relationship with God. Because it's possible for our lives to be so full, you know, so full of stuff and so full of activities that we don't have room for God. And so before we can fill our lives with God, we need to create some empty space. And then the second week, we, we added welcoming or showing hospitality as we talked about the importance of taking the sort of kindness that you normally reserve for your friends or for your family and showing that same sort of kindness to those who are in need and especially to strangers who are in need. And then this morning, we want to take a look at the spiritual discipline of friending. In John, the 15th chapter, Jesus said to his apostles, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. But then he went on to say, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. Daryl Tippins said that a young minister once told his father about an exciting new mentoring program that was being introduced in his congregation. And after listening to this young man's enthusiastic description of this new program, Daryl's father said, we used to have a program like that in my church when I was growing up. We called them friends. And there was a time when society valued friendship. Benjamin Franklin once said that a true friend is the best possession. And there was a time when Christians valued friendships. It's interesting that there was a great deal of emphasis put on friendship among the ancient Irish Christians. In fact, they had a word for, uh, for that that is still used in Ireland even today. Anam kara is the word. Anam is the Gaelic word for soul. And kara is the Gaelic word for friend. And so Anam kara is soul friend. And this is the kind of friend that I think Solomon was talking about when he said, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. A soul friend, an anam kara. Pelagius, who lived at the turn of the fourth century, said this. He said, indeed, we need one special friend who may be called a friend of the soul. We must open our souls completely to this friend, hiding nothing and revealing everything. And we must allow this friend to assess and to judge what he sees. And so throughout the centuries, friends have been regarded as extremely important and a vital part of our spiritual growth. But in recent years, we don't seem to see the value in friends. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Four Loves, to the ancients, 
Friendship seemed the happiest and most fully human of all loves. The crown of life and the school of virtue. The modern world, in comparison, ignores it. And I think many would argue that friendship is rare, especially among American men today. A professor of sociology studied friendship at length and he came to a conclusion that American men are generally good at side-by-side -side relationships, as he calls them. They can bowl side-by-side, -side, watch sporting events side-by-side, -side, hunt or fish side-by-side, but what they cannot do is face one another and engage in a deep, heartfelt conversation. But you know what? It's not just men. According to several studies, the average American today has only two close friends. And 25% of Americans, one out of every four people, say that they don't have even one close, trusted friend. And so, why is this different today than it used to be? Well, I think one of the reasons has to do with the increased mobility of our society. Because as those of you who have been in the military know, when you move every few years, it certainly is more difficult to develop those deep, lasting relationships. But I would suggest that, that one of the biggest reasons that friendships are declining today is because of the explosion of social media. And by social media, I mean Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Now, let me say right up front that I am not against social media. I have a, a, an account on each one of those platforms. And I think there are some good uses for social media. It's a way to stay connected with a lot of people. But you have to admit that social media is redefining the way that we think about friends. And what experts are saying is that instead of spending time, you know, face-to-face -face and in face-to-face -face intimate relationships, that we're becoming obsessed with our online image of what people think about us. And so we'll put a post on Facebook about what we're doing today or what we're upset about today. And then we have to check the comments every few minutes to see what everybody else thinks about what we think. And the problem is, because of all of this interaction, we feel like we're connecting with people, but we're actually not. More and more, people are allowing Facebook to replace the intimacy of relationships. And so what we've got today are people with more likes, you know, more followers, more Facebook friends, and yet they are more alone than ever before. I ran across this cartoon of two people talking at a funeral home visitation, and the woman says, he had over 2,000 Facebook friends. I was expecting a bigger turnout. But of course, there's a big difference between Facebook friends and real friends. We need that face-to-face, -face, intimate, personal relationship, which may raise the question in your mind, why? Why do we really need friends? Well, Solomon gave one answer to that question when he said in Ecclesiastes 4 that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. You know, if I may be allowed to 
kind of update Solomon's statement a bit here, I would probably add this, woe to him who is alone when he gets ready to move, for he has no one to help load up the truck. <laughs> and we chuckle, but you know, friends are the ones who are there for you when you need them. And we all have moments in our lives when we need someone to be there, to be there for us. But I would suggest an even more important reason why we need friends, uh, because our friends help to shape us into the person uh, that we need to be. That's a more important reason. Uh, somebody has said, you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You show me the people that you spend the most time with, and I'll show you where your life is headed. In fact, thousands of years ago, Solomon said uh, basically the same, the same thing. In Proverbs 13, 20, Solomon said, whoever walks with wise people will be wise, but whoever associates with fools will suffer. In other words, if you hang out with people who are more spiritual than you, uh, wiser than you, have better marriages than you, are better with money than you, are better leaders than you, you are going to become like them and you're gonna to rise to their level. But if on the other hand, you hang out with a bunch of dummies or the party crowd or those people who are always getting into trouble, they are going to drag you down. They're gonna bring you down to where they are. You show me your friends and I can show you your future. You know, as I look at my own life, if there's any area of success, it's directly tied to God using the right people to help influence me in the right direction. Good friends are critical in developing our spiritual lives. Good friends are critical in helping us to shape our lives into the image of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to consider for a moment who your closest friends are. And as we do that, I think it's important to recognize that there are different levels of relationship, different levels of friendship, and all of our friends don't share the same level of intimacy. And there's probably no one in Scripture who modeled this better than Jesus Christ. I mean, think about all of the different levels of relationship that Jesus enjoyed with the different people who surrounded him during his lifetime. First of all, there is a sense in which Jesus was friends with everyone that he met. In fact, he was known as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He loved everyone and he was willing to spend time with everyone. But he wasn't close to everyone. He didn't share his deepest, uh, deepest secrets with everyone. There was a, a group of men, though, that he was closer to, composed of 72 disciples. In Luke, the 10th chapter, uh, he sent these 72 men out, two by two, to prepare cities for his arrival. He was closer to these men than he was the general public, but they still weren't his closest friends. And then, of course, there were the 12 apostles. These men followed Jesus around for three years, they traveled with him, they talked with him, they, they learned from him. And Jesus told them things that he didn't tell anybody else. They were all close friends. But even among those 12, there were three men that Jesus was closer to than he was the other nine. 
there were two times when he allowed Peter, James, and John to be close to him when no one else was around. They were the ones who saw the transfiguration of Jesus. They were the ones who were there when Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. They were the ones who were closest to Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. But even among those three, there seemed to be one that Jesus was closer to than all the rest. And he's the one, uh, he's the one that John called the disciple whom Jesus loved. And most scholars and, and myself believe that John was talking about himself, which means that Jesus had a best friend. Now what that tells me is that it's okay for you to be closer to some people than you are to others. Now, I'm not talking about a clique, okay? I'm not talking about having a circle of friends that you talk to and do things with, and you keep everybody else on the outside. Uh, that's one of the complaints that newcomers often have in many churches that they visit. Everybody will talk with their friends after church, but nobody will talk with them. And they end up feeling like, you know, an, an outsider. And so I'm talking about, I'm not talking about having cliques, but there are some people who are closer friends than others are. And I would hope that everybody listening today, watching today, is, uh, or everybody in our church that you know is a friend of yours. But you know what? Not everybody who attends our church is going to be someone that you will open up to and share intimate aspects of your life with. Not everyone that goes to our church is going to be your best friend. Not everyone is going to be, as the Irish would put it, an anamkara, a soul friend. But we all need someone who is, because that's the kind of friend that will help us to grow spiritually. I'm talking about people that you can call at two in the morning, and if you need them, they'll be there. People you can be open and honest with. Uh, people that, uh, you know, you can talk to on a regular basis. The people who know you inside out. I'm talking about having a soul friend. A friend like Jonathan was to David in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, it says that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan was David's very best friend in the whole world, and there were a lot of great things that Jonathan did for David. But there's one thing in particular that I want you to notice as we look at several characteristics of the kind of friend that we all need. To begin with, we need a friend who will strengthen us spiritually. After David was anointed to be the next king of Israel, he became a war hero, and all the women started to notice him. And they started to sing songs about him. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And that made Saul furious, and he got really jealous. And he said, I don't like David. It's obvious that he wants my throne. He's getting all of the attention. There's only one solution. I've got to kill him. So that's what King Saul tried to do. And we pick it up in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 23, uh, verse 15, that says, While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. 
And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. And we all need a friend who helps us to find spiritual strength. Because I don't care how mature you are, you will get tempted and you will get down. And when everybody else walks out on you, you will need a friend who says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not just going to pray for you, but I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to strengthen you in the things of the Lord. And I'm so very thankful for friends who have surrounded me through the years and helped me to find strength in the Lord. There have been many times over the past 39 years that I wanted to quit preaching. Times when I felt that, you know, when I felt like I wasn't accomplishing anything and I was getting criticism from all directions and I just felt like it's just not worth it anymore. And I wanted to quit. But every time I reached that point, I had a friend nearby who reassured me and strengthened me in the Lord and who said to me, you may not be able to see it, but you are making a difference. You are doing what God wants you to do. You need to hang in there. So tell me, do you have a friend like that? Someone who wakes up in the middle of the night with you on their heart and calls you the next day and says, I just wanted you to know that I had you on my heart last night, and so I prayed for you. And I want you to know that I want to help you to be stronger, a stronger follower of Jesus Christ. Do you have someone in your life who will help you grow spiritually? And not only do you want a friend who will do that for you, but make sure that you are the kind of person who will do that for your friends. So that you're not just a friend who's there to have fun together, but you help your friends to get better at the things that matter the most and help them find spiritual strength in the things of God. And then number two, we need a friend who will always be there for us. I love the quote that I found that says this, Friendship isn't about whom you have known the longest, it's about who came and never left your side. Remember what Solomon said. He said that there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And we're all familiar, I think, with the term, you know, fair weather friend, which is a, a friend who's only helpful, who, who's only available when it's convenient or when it's to their advantage to do so. There are few words any sadder than Jesus' question to his disciples in the Gospel of John. After almost everybody else had turned and walked away, Jesus said, Are you also going to leave? Oprah Winfrey put it this way. She said, Lots of people want to ride with you in the limo, but what you want is someone who will take the bus with you when the limo breaks down. But I'll take that even one step further. We not only need a friend who will always be there for us, but we need a friend who will always be present for us. We need to learn to be present with one another. We need to be face-to-face -face with people because presence matters. I mean, just think about it. When Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say, hey, here's a book about me. Go study it. What did he say? He said, come, 
follow me. Let's do life together. Let's journey together. Let's wake up in the morning, have breakfast together. Let's get to know each other as we travel from one community to another. And the best way I can impart the love of my Father to you is to be with you and have you be with me. And so we need to be present for our friends and, and expect that they will be present for us. I mean, how many times have you gone into a restaurant and seen a bunch of people sitting together at a table, but nobody's talking to anybody else? They're all looking at their phones, texting, playing games, all of them. Be present. Give your friends attention. Face-to-face -face contact is important. And so we need to be together because there is a power in presence. There is a power in physical presence. There have been many times in my ministry that I've had to deal with families who've suffered a great loss. One of the first funerals I ever did was for a baby. One of my next funerals was for a young person who died of cancer. And there have been so many times, especially when, when I was young, that I just didn't know what to say in those situations. I mean, I would pray, God, please help me to say the right thing. And I would go see the family and I didn't know what to say. And all I could do was just say a few words and offer some weak prayer. And I would walk away saying to myself, David, you are a sorry excuse for a pastor. I mean, here they are in their greatest time of need, and that's the best that you could do. But then later, I, I would hear from that family, and, and they would say, you know what, you have no idea what your visit meant. When you walked into the room, we felt like God was showing us how much he loved us and that he was going to be there for us. And everything you said was just perfect. <laughs> really? Because I felt like I didn't say anything. But in their mind, my presence said everything that needed to be said. There's something about presence that is incredibly powerful. I mean, I wonder how different your friendships would be if you made the people that you, uh, that you, were, uh, that you were with, if you made them your priority. You know, put your phone down. Spend time with people that you're with. Actually be present. We need a friend who will always be there for us. But just as important, we need a friend who will be present for us. And we need to be that same kind of friend to others. And then number three, we need a friend who can be open and honest with. That we can be open and honest with. I read recently about someone who uses three questions to help him distinguish his acquaintances from his soul friends. And the first question he asks is, do I feel safe around you? And then the second question he asks is, could I call you at two in the morning if I needed something? But the third question he asks is, can I tell you who I am? Albert Camus put it this way. He said that a friend is someone who knows all about you and still loves you. And we all need someone to help carry our sorrows and help us deal with our doubts and help us work through our questions. But that means that we need someone who's, going, who's not going to judge us or criticize us or even try to fix us. 
We need someone who will patiently listen, who holds our secrets in trust, and who encourages us to do better. We need someone to whom we can tell the truth about our lives, no matter how stained, flawed, or messed up we are. It's what James, I think, intended when he said this in James chapter 5. He said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. But I can only confess my sins to you if I trust you, if I know that you will use that knowledge to help me and not to hurt me. Let me share something interesting with you. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. Think about that. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. It's when we are transparent, when we're vulnerable. It's when we drop the macho image and say, here's what I'm going through, or here's what makes me afraid, or here's what I'm struggling with in my marriage. Here's, my, you know, here's the temptation that I can't seem to overcome. Uh, here's what I just can't stop worrying about. And then our friends can say, you know what? I understand because I used to have that problem too. And here's how God helped me to get through it. And suddenly we begin to connect. People connect through weaknesses. But the flip side is true as well. We not only need a friend that we can be honest with, but number four, we need a friend who will be honest with us. And when I think about this, I think about the kind of friend that Nathan was to David. You remember what happened to David? He was a man after God's own heart, the scriptures say. But he took his eyes off the Lord and he put his eyes on Bathsheba and he committed adultery and he broke the heart of God and he messed up his whole life. But for a while, he didn't see the seriousness of what he uh, had done. And so Nathan went to him and, and told him the truth. He said, David, let me tell you a story. He said, once there was a really wealthy guy that had sheep and cattle, more than you could count. And there was this really poor guy who had only one little lamb that was almost like a pet to him. And one day a traveler came and was hungry, and so the wealthy guy didn't, get to, uh, didn't use one of his own sheep, but he took this poor guy's only lamb and he slaughtered it and gave it to the traveler. And David responded by saying, that, that was a horrible thing for him to do. That guy needs to be punished. And Nathan looked at David and he said, David, that's you. You did it. And he loved David enough to tell him the truth about what he had done. And suddenly David saw what he hadn't seen before and he was brokenhearted. And so I would ask you, when is the last time that you had a friend who loved you enough to tell you, don't you go there, don't do that, you're making a big mistake, you're going to hurt your marriage, you're going to hurt your influence as, Christ as a Christian, you're going to hurt your relationship with God. We all need someone who will tell us the truth. And so I wonder, do you have someone like that in your life? And I'm not talking about someone who walks up and criticizes you and says, you're doing everything wrong. 
No, a friend is someone that you have a relationship with. It's someone who knows you and loves you and cares about you and has only your best interest at heart. Do you have a friend like that? Someone who loves you enough and cares about you enough to be honest with you at all times. But it's also important to ask, are you willing to be a friend like that? Because we tend to not want to say anything negative. But sometimes we need to be honest and we need to tell it like it is. That's what a true friend does. And wouldn't it be wonderful if you had more than just one Anamkara, more than just one soul friend, a whole group of friends who love you, where there's this close spiritual relationship where you learn from them and they learn from you and you influence each other to be more like Jesus, where they love you enough to tell you the truth when you're doing something stupid, when, when they're there to celebrate with you in the good times and when they're there to cry with you in times when you're hurting. Wouldn't it be great to have some friends like that? What a difference it would make in our spiritual journey.